Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption in logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com insights. Welcome to Lockbox, a podcast providing real estate professionals with action items for success. My name is Jeffrey Broger, and I'm going to be your host. I'm the founder of two real estate marketing and tech companies, Steezy.Digital and RealNurture.io. In this podcast, you'll learn from top 1% real estate and mortgage brokers the exact secrets to their success. Welcome to Lockbox. Welcome to Lockbox. My name is Jeff Broger, and I'm here today with Victor Viktorov. Victor, thanks for being with us. Uh, thank you, Jeff. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, absolutely. So why don't you tell our listeners who you are and where you're from? My name is Victor Viktorov. I'm originally from Bulgaria a small country in Eastern Europe, part of the European Union. I moved here, actually I moved first here in 2018 and I lived in uh, Connecticut for six months. Then I went back to Bulgaria and I'm here again for about a year now. So my journey started long, long ago, but yeah. Yeah, awesome. And what got you into the real estate industry? So I'm zero entrepreneur. And uh, for sure, my first business wasn't in the, the real estate space because uh, real estate is quite for later stage entrepreneurs. So uh, as an entrepreneur, I, I have started in the distribution business when I was 18 years old, back in the days uh, when I was still in Bulgaria. And when I was 20, something like this, I, I jumped into, into the e-commerce business. So that was uh, 15 years ago. So... When I started my e-commerce business, I still was in the, the university and step-by-step, uh, step, I bootstrapped this business. It, it became a very successful company in Eastern Europe. And then in 2017, I was in London. I met some very interesting people there, VCs and private equity funds and Harvard professors. So I was in a very uh, interesting venue there. And I learned about blockchain so that get my attention so i moved to the united states in 2018 because of the you know the blockchain technology and here in the united states i met family offices some of the people that are running family offices and they told me about a particular problem related to, to real estate which is uh, the lack of liquidity and that's how I get to the real estate space pretty much because I saw a problem that could be solved with the help of the, the blockchain technology and a bit of creativity. So yeah, that's how I started digging into the real estate space. Yeah, super interesting. So for those that don't understand, because a lot of my listeners 
our top real estate brokers, top mortgage brokers, they don't know anything about blockchain. So what is blockchain technology, just in kindergarten terms? <laughs> That's always difficult to, to explain, but it's... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> what does it do? <laughs> it's, a, it's a public ledger. It's like distributed database that it's basically transparent and it's unbreakable and hackable so far. So imagine that you have a very secure database where everything could be held and you can use this database to record transactions and, you know, all kinds of stuff like legal contracts and everything related with trust, moving of pretty much titles, if you say, in, in the real estate space, you know, pretty much every title currently could be on the blockchain and you can transfer ownership that way. So how that works, there are thousands of computers everywhere that are validating those transactions. And it's very difficult to, to break the ledger, so to say, because of that, because how the technology is designed which in this digital era is very important because, you know, uh, hacks and stealing money because of pure security could cause billions of dollars of losses for banks and financial institutions. And also, you know, title agencies, and, you know, it could work in various industries. So I don't know how easy to understand that is <laughs> for a first-time listener, but that's probably my simplest explanation. Awesome. Yeah. And I appreciate that explanation. Basically, it's an open source ledger that can do a lot of things. But amongst that is also to that take account of transactions. And the value of it is that it's unhackable. It's transparent. It's not based on you know just one computer or one company. It's more open source. And so it's, it's that in that regard, it's much more secure. And is that right? Yes, that's awesome. And then, you know, nowadays, how are you applying that to the real estate transaction and the problem of increasing liquidity in real estate? Yeah, so what we are doing basically is we're not using the blockchain technology as single uh, problem solver for the liquidity problem. It's, it's just part of our solution. And it's, it's just a tool. But how we are using it is basically... We are digitizing the shares in a, in a single real estate asset, let's say, and that, that's called tokenization. You know, so some right now are calling in NFTs backed yeah. by real estate, but it's actually the same thing. So we are having a property that is divided to multiple pieces. Those pieces are actually securities, shares in a company, and those shares are in digital form. So they're on the blockchain. And they're immutable, you can transfer them, you can trade them. And one of the main points here is in terms of syndication, for example, when we're talking about real estate and we have general partners and we have limited partners, typically what is happening, uh, a major issue with liquidity is that limited partners are locked for quite a while. It might be five years on average, it's five years. That, that's the most common period where you know the LPs are locked for, for those five years. So the point of tokenizing an asset is to be able to trade those assets on the marketplace and having secondary market for them. So whatever an investor decide to to get out earlier for your to you know 
exit the, or sell the property, the general partner to decide to sell the property, they can decide to get out. And that could be done on the secondary market. So that's the, one of the, the main advantages, but that is not the complete solution. I mean, with uh, the blockchain technology, one of the main benefits is that you can trade on multiple exchanges without intermediary, and you can trade by yourself shares without even using an exchange on a peer-to-peer basis. So all those functionalities basically are going to improve the liquidity in, in the space. But we are having in mind something even more than that. Awesome. So if I understand correctly, in the future, if this technology becomes a standard, I could be a partial, like a limited partner in a multifamily syndication. It's like a $20 million deal. And maybe I, I hold you know, a $2 million position in it. And I could trade that peer-to-peer in, in the limited partnership and trade it in exchange for different types of assets um, or trade parts of it, like the little chunks, like $50,000 here, $100,000 there. Um, and it would free up my ability. And this could all be done essentially without a lot of pieces in place, like banks, lenders, a lot of the different professionals that are, are taking fees off, off of this. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Wow. Exactly. Very disruptive technology. So what are your what are your projections? What's like your five, 10-year projection for the real estate industry? So I, I spoke yesterday with a gentleman uh, that is syndicating multifamilies in California. And, you know, we, we spoke regarding what we, we think, you know, is going to happen. Uh, sooner rather than, than later, but uh, of course, you know, we expect that in ten years, nobody o- almost is gonna remember how we are doing it, you know, today, uh, or it's gonna be like something super old-fashioned, and almost nobody's gonna use the traditional current methods of uh, syndicating deals. And the reason, of course, is just because the advantages that the new technologies are bringing to, to the table. If, for example, a typical syndicator or general partner wants to bring investors and is offering traditional stuff, and you have, you know, on the other hand, somebody that is offering liquidity for the LPs and multiple advantages, you know, most of the investors are going to go the new way. Of course, they're still going to be, but, you know, in in the course of 10 years, we do expect that that's going to be the majority and we're going to have like completely different environment around commercial properties. So is your company then at the center of the transaction? Like is, is no. how do you pronounce the company's name? It- uh, the company is called Reno. 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 Yeah. Okay. And it's like R-E-I-N-N-O, right? Right. Okay. Okay. So how does Reno fit into that? Are you helping push the technology forward? Um, are you at the center of it? Uh, do they hold their ledger with you and you kind of like help them manage it? Like what's your role? Our role is we have multiple roles here. And so first of all, in order to start, basically you need to tokenize and prepare the offering and, you know, to tokenize the asset, issue the tokens, basically that is representing the share. So the first interaction is basically with us is we to prepare uh, the tokens uh, basically, to issue those tokens, those shares, and then 
we are having a software that is helping facilitating transactions and, and keeping cap table, basically to keep the cap table management down the road. So we're basically having supporting infrastructure from a technology standpoint. That's the first thing. That's not the major thing that we are doing. The major thing, basically, what we are doing in, to support that industry is new type of loans, which are for LPs. So LPs that were token holders, uh, how we call them, are going to be able to deposit their tokens in our system, and we immediately going to be able to provide loans, like instant loans, without paperwork, without anything like this. So everything is based on data points. So we're collecting a lot of data and that's our main activity actually to collect data regarding the properties, cash flow, other data. We are using third-party data as well in order to basically evaluate the assets. So we're doing automated valuations with a third-party provider uh, based on multiple data points. And we're able to provide instant loans based on fractions of what an LP is holding in a single asset without asking for any documents because we already underwriting everything upfront, having this information regarding the, uh, you know, every asset that is digital. And we imagine we're getting a real estate loan is going to take you, you know, a few minutes. And that's what we are doing. So. Interesting. And that would be the loan aspect would be similar to leveraging your cryptocurrency and receiving a loan in US dollar today which is becoming more common, right? Mm -hmm. So you would leverage an asset that's held in a token that you have valued at $20 million based on automated valuation. And then they can then leverage against it $100,000 instantly. And now that asset or part of the asset is used as collateral. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. Absolutely the same experience is basically borrowing with your cryptocurrency, Mm -hmm. borrowing with uh, tokenized real estate. However, it's, you know, the, the process of evaluating assets like this, it's much more difficult than, you know, with cryptocurrencies because it's just different underwriting, different risk, and those assets are still illiquid. So it's a bit different on our backend, but we, ho- we want to provide the same user experience on the front end as, uh, you know, leveraging your cryptocurrency positions. Got it. Yeah, you want it to be that simple and easy. But on the back end, as you mentioned, it's much more complex with a hard asset like real estate because automated valuations online, for example, on the residential side of real estate from Zillow or, you know, other types of automated valuation services are oftentimes three to five percent off. And three to five percent from a twenty million dollar standpoint is massive. You know, and and they're dealing more on four hundred thousand, one point five million residential single family homes. But if you're using similar algorithms to Zillow, you could potentially be off by three to 5% on a $20 million property. That's huge. So do you have more advanced algorithms in place? Are you leveraging local boots on the ground and additional things like the rent roll and you know the different types of other valuation methods in order to really properly value a property? Yeah, so first of all, triple sign is not that much. You know, uh, because uh, typical assessors are around 5%, you know, off from uh, the real sales price. So, you know, I think Zillow is doing better than, <laughs> you know, human as- assessment. But, and 
you know, take into consideration that the, the loan to value is 80%. So even with 2%, you know, if we are wrong with 3% or something, it's still fine. However, the, the service that we're using is a bit more advanced on um, than zero. So uh, they're they're close to 0.5% off from the real sales price. So I think that they're taking much more data points than, than zero, but currently they're providing automated valuations for multifamilies. So we are not going to be able to evaluate everything, all asset uh, types, but at least we can focus on, on multifamilies at this point and, and provide those services yeah. for them. And that's awesome because that's my wheelhouse. I'm a commercial agent and I focus on multifamily. So I'll definitely be hitting you up after uh, about that automated valuation because I'll tell you what, I've come across deals all the time and then I have to go value them, pull comps. I got to you know go through this process. It takes hours to, to really effectively value a property. And either using an automated valuation as a secondary check or as a first quick offer to be able to offer instantly would be huge value. So yeah, I'm definitely going to uh, ask you more about that uh, after the show. But mm-hmm. For now, I'm curious about your entrepreneurial journey. You know, it seems like you had a l- little bit of a journey prior to e-commerce and then you were successful in e-commerce and, you know, now you're in real estate. So what's been the single most important action that you've taken on a daily basis that has attributed most to your success? Persistence. <laughs> you know, so I definitely could say that to be an entrepreneur is not, not an easy thing. Nothing is easy, by the way. So uh, whatever somebody's thing is, it's always difficult. But I do definitely could say that being an entrepreneur, you know, it's you need to be patient. So I was quite patient. My first business was relatively easy one because my father has a business as well. So when I was 18, I just, you know, used his infrastructure and I built a, a distribution company, but my father was my first client. So I had a client, so it was a bit easier. He gave me money as well, seed money at the start. But awesome. that was the simple one. However, when I decided to go to the e-commerce space, my father was quite uh, opposed to this because it was quite new technology, something that he doesn't understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at that time, he, he told me, you know, I'm not going to support this this business. So I had some money saved from the other business and I put everything in, in the e-commerce because I was quite confident that that's going to be the thing. Uh, so uh, when my money was depleted in uh, six, seven months and, <laughs> and then, it, you know, you need to be patient, you need to be persistent. And, you know, my father was like, if you go that route, you know, you're not going to count on me. So I struggled like an additional two and a half years until we get above break even. So those two and a half, three years basically were quite difficult because, uh, you know, it's quite a struggle uh, <laughs> without any income for my family. But I was sure that, you know, I'm on the right track. So I, I was persistent and definitely it's, more difficult than it sounds because you have real problems of not being able to, to buy regular stuff. 
in the store. So you need to be very precise of what you, how you're spending your money, which as I, I'm telling you now, I had an in, zero income for three years. Everything that uh, the business generated, I uh, reinvested just to keep it afloat because it was like really, really difficult. And at some point, you know, when, when thing, things kick off, then you need to be persistent as well because, you know, you have different type of problems. Now you have growth stage problems, you know, scaling teams, growing too fast. It's again, a different type of problem, but still a problem. So I had those problems as well, you know, in, in the scaling phase. But definitely, you know, if, if I need to compare both, I prefer the scaling one <laughs> than struggling in the beginning. So what I could say is that right now, I told that, you know, 10, 15 years later, when I already uh, have a successful business and build a good company and so on, it's going to be much easier to start a new venture in a new, completely new industry. But, you know, after three years, I realized that it's exactly the same thing, hmm. with, you know, with much better uh, circumstances that at least I, I have a successful business to uh, back me up. But other than that, it's the same, the same struggle to, you know, you need to figure out problems all the way down until you have a perfect working solution. So it's, it's the same thing, always, you know, keeping working on what I'm doing, but also, you know, what I'm finding is the most important thing is persistence. That's a very astute point. And thanks for talking about your journey with the e-commerce store and how, how it was actually a struggle uh, and, you know, making that work through persistence. Yeah, it's a, it's a really big key. And, you know, at times, different times in my entrepreneurial journey, I feel kind of like burnout or oh, this isn't working. Am I forcing it? And one key thing that you said is that I was confident I was on the right track. And, you know, if that's the case, then persistence is so key. So really appreciate you sharing that. I'm curious in the last five years, if you have any particular belief, behavior or habit that has, you know, most improved your life. Actually, I prefer to talk about some of the mistakes I made. <laughs> sure. so I think, you know, people might learn more from mistakes than from, you know, where people are doing good things like organizing their day pretty well and so on. But I think... Okay. That, well, how has a failure or an apparent failure <laughs> set you up for later success? Yeah. So I think something that, you know, happened with me was that at some point I stopped thinking about developing myself especially when I, I feel, uh, you know, quite successful at some point, you know, it was around 2017. Everything was quite well organized in my life. And I have a great family, great business, everything is going smooth and, and so on. And at some point you just stop growing, growing, you know, your abilities, your skills, developing your skills and knowledge and so on. So I think... It's always good to challenge yourself and be outside of your comfort. So that's why I moved to the United States because I wanted to, again, challenge myself because I'm too young to be satisfied. And, you know, I made some mistakes through, you know, this challenging time. But also, you know, I found myself in a pretty good position to think about 
what could be disrupted, how could be disrupted, and start thinking again as entrepreneur. Because when everything is going smooth, you might get lazy. So that, that's what I can mm. say. You know, fighting with this is difficult because people prefer to get it, you know, the easier, get the, the easy way. Yeah. It was difficult to challenge myself, but I think it, it's very useful. So for serial entrepreneurs, that's very important. Yeah. Great point. Always, you know, stay outside your comfort zone. So yeah. is there a question that I should have asked you or anything that you'd like to elaborate on from earlier? Something to elaborate? Something in particular? I don't know. Probably, you know, what is the future of real estate? I already told you what is the future of blockchain and real estate, what we are seeing, but I can tell you even further regarding what I'm envisioning. And I can tell you that there's going to be an automated marketplace, market-making solutions that are coming. In my opinion, we're, we're working on some of those as well, which means that, first of all, there is not going to be a need to, to raise funds. We are planning to, to create a solution that basically is going to help general partners to get funding on both equity and debt side. And everything is going to be instantaneous for multifamily projects, as well as uh, automated market making solutions for uh, alternative trading systems or exchanges, uh, to be more clear for the audience, which are going to have liquid positions for their tokens all the way down, no, always. And that being said, that is going to change completely the, the industry as we know it today. Wow. Powerful predictions. When it happens, they, they can say they heard it here first. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Well, how can my listeners contact you? So the, the easiest way is basically to find me on LinkedIn. That's the easiest way. Feel free to, to reach out. My name is Victor, Victor Roth. I think you can see that here. And even, you know, check the website, reno.io. That's the best way. Awesome. Victor Viktorov, everyone, doing some very futuristic things in the real estate industry, blockchain, multifamily syndication, and the concept of being able to instantaneously take a loan against your position in a multifamily syndication as a limited partner, instant liquidity. How cool would that be? Well, we'll see if that comes true. Thank you so much, Victor, for being on a really awesome episode. Thank you. Thank you, Jeffrey. Thank you for listening. If you want to accomplish your real estate goals, then I highly suggest downloading my free Ultimate Real Estate Goal Setting Framework. The link is in the description of the show, and it will help you break down your annual income goal into the amount of phone calls, appointments, or open houses you need in order to achieve that goal. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.